Hello, and welcome back to Catching Up David. Tonight is episode 40, Scream. Hello, Hallie. Hello. Hello, Kristen. Hello, David. And hello, listeners. So Scream is a 1996 American slasher film written by Kevin Williamson and directed by Wes Craven. It stars David Arquette, Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, Matthew Lillard, Rose McGowan, Skeet Ulrich, and Drew Barrymore. I've heard of most of these people, though I couldn't tell you why exactly. I think they're just they're just famous enough that I've that you even just know that these even names. Yeah, that <laughs> even I have some idea who they are. Skeet Ulrich is FP on Riverdale, so I was hyped to watch yeah, this. Yeah, I don't know who he oh, is. Oh yeah. I don't know He's Billy. Who Skeet is. He's That's Billy. like the one name I hadn't heard of before. <laughs> He's Billy. But like Yeah, all right. I like didn't know that going in and now I can see it. You didn't pick up on it as you watched? No, I didn't no, I was like, oh, he looks kind of familiar, but I've seen the movie before, so I was like, I must be thinking of the last time I saw it. But in my defense, uh, all the light in his eyes is gone in that role. It's very hard. In which role? It's very FP hard. or Billy? No, in Billy. <laughs> like, like FB, he's like a human being. Billy, yes. he's not human. <laughs> and it's really unsettling. So I think it's okay that I didn't recognize that and just speaks to his acting chops. If you say so. Yeah. Scream was a box office success. It earned $173 million worldwide off of its $15 million budget, becoming the highest grossing slasher film ever until the release of 2018's Halloween sequel, entitled Halloween. And adjusted for inflation, Scream still holds the title of highest grossing slasher film. So, good for Scream. Good for Scream. Yeah. Scream is credited with revitalizing the horror genre in the 1990s, which had suffered due to a lot of bad, like, direct-to-video sequels of established horror franchises from, like, the 70s and 80s. There was just a whole lot of, like, you know... Halloween 47. Yeah, yeah. And, like, Friday the 13th, the 56th. (laughs) There was just, like, a a bunch of those. And Scream came in and kind of kind of juiced things up again made horror made horror cool again a breath of fresh air to scream into your lungs yes i tried something and i don't think it didn't work i don't think it did work but i don't think it didn't work yeah we'll workshop it all right Well, not up for any Oscars, Scream did win Best Movie at the MTV Movie Awards and from the International Horror Guild, which is the only prize you really need as a horror movie, Best Movie at the International Horror Guild Awards. That's true. It also won numerous Saturn Awards, including Best Horror Film, Best Actress for Nev Campbell, and Best Writing for Kevin Williamson. So, there you go. Scream. In case it's been a while since you've seen it, Scream follows Sydney Prescott, a teenage girl living in California whose mother was brutally murdered the previous year. While her testimony put her mother's killer away, she's begun having questions about the accuracy of her story and of her mother as a person. Meanwhile, two of her classmates have been slasher murdered, and the killer, possibly her mother's killer, is on the loose. 
Sydney worries the murderer might be her boyfriend, Billy, while the police have narrowed their sights on Sydney's father, who has gone missing. But with all this murder going on, and the school shut down until further notice, why not have a giant party with a dozen or so of your friends? <laughs> so Sydney and her best friend Tatum attend, as does the killer. A ghost costume, an unflappable reporter, and an incredibly strong garage door. Scream! So, should we do personality quiz first? Sure thing. Yeah, why not? All right. This one was, like, fine. It was <laughs> not a great quiz. Like, it's not the best. It's one of those quizzes where every answer, you know exactly which character it correlates to. Yeah. Yeah. There were, there were a lot of typos. And, but, like, <laughs> there are nothing, there's nothing, like, insanely out there questions, like some of the ones we've taken. No. But my favorite was, how would you get killed? Because one of the options is just stabbed. Not, not stabbed. <laughs> not stabbed with two Bs, but stabbed. I almost chose that one. I, I, went, with, I went with stabbed. <laughs> That's how I would die. I said anyway. I wouldn't die. I refuse. Yeah. I also said I wouldn't die. I have taken quizzes on like in a horror or like what's your horror movie death? And no, more recently I took one that was like, who would you be in a horror movie? Something like that. And it said I would be the final girl. And I was like, you're darn right I would be. I would not stand for any of this nonsense and I would survive. I mean, maybe. I would. I could see. I would survive. I could see. I could see that. Thank you. Not in my movie. <laughs> I almost chose it as my quote. Anyway, yeah. who did you get, David? I got Randy Meeks. Woo! That's the um that's the guy that works at the video store. Because I had yeah, trouble love... <laughs> I had trouble with everybody's names in this movie. It was um a little hard for me to keep up with them. But Randy, the video store kid. My description is... I like Randy. Yeah. My description is, you're the geek who wants the girl. You know everything about horror movies, but you are often the prime suspect. You survive the first one, but get killed in the sequel. Which, spoiler... Yeah, spoiler, <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Randy's, like, fine. Come on, quiz. He's, like... Randy, he's definitely one of the one of the less aggravating males. Yeah. He's a little, like, a little too enthusiastic about horror movies, but, like, I'll take it. But, like, he's also right. He is right. In the scene where he's enthusiastic, he's fucking right. Mm. Yeah. When he, like, when he goes through the rules and everything. Yeah. It sounds, yeah, like, he's a little bit over the top and, like, too into it. But I did like that scene a lot. Like, everybody's, like, you know, like, cheering and, like, toasting him and everything as he goes yeah. through it. I don't know. That was a fun scene. It was fun. Yeah. Who did you get, Hallie? Me, I got Gail Weathers. <laughs> You're the reporter who no one likes. <laughs> That's how this starts. <laughs> You'll do anything to get the story, and you won't let anyone stand in your way. At the end of the day, you're a fighter and a survivor, and have shown that many times. So I would survive, because I'm Gail Weathers, who definitely has the best name and the most memorable one in the movie. Yeah. I'm pretty okay with this. Actually, I really like Gail. I stand by you're the reporter no one likes. <laughs> I feel that identity in my bones. I know none of us here like you, so it's pretty accurate. I, I know. But it doesn't matter because I get results. Yeah. Gail Weathers. 
Who'd you get, Kristen? I got Sydney Prescott. So, yeah, I am the final girl. (laughs) It says, your survivor. Yeah, not you're a survivor. You're survivor. But also the main victim. (laughs) No one has ever been able to kill you. You always escape. Unfortunately, those you love are put in danger because of you. But one thing's for sure, you're a fighter. So, I survived. Nobody's quite able to kill you. (laughs) You you just keep getting away. I just keep coming back. Despite everybody wanting to. But you know what? All three of us are the three people who survive. Oh, wait. Do we survive too? But, like, look at us. We're the final trio. Yeah. The survival squad. Good for us. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. All right. Well, that was a fun quiz. Yeah, um, like, like I had a good time taking it. I was like, "Woo, Gail!" Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why, but that That's sounded like... so weird. I want someone to separate that as an audio bit. <laughs> I, I knew it sounded weird as soon as it came out, and I was like, "There's no coming back from that." So I'll just let it sit. It's fine. Woo, Gail! <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So this is a movie that Hallie had seen before, like a uh, a few a few years back, and Kristen had seen like the first ten minutes or so. Yeah, I'd seen about the it. first ten minutes about ten years ago, but I did yeah. know the killers because I had my friend tell me. I think I told her I would never watch the movie or something, and I just wanted to know who did it. Yeah, but I didn't know any of the details about how people die, so that was fun. Mm-hmm. It was still fun to sit there and be like, oof, I do not think this cameraman is along for this world. And I was right. <laughs> All right, Poor cameraman. Cam- He's yeah. just trying his best. He was trying his best. He seemed like a good noodle. Yeah. yeah. Gail yelled at him a lot. She was unfair to him. Yeah, no one likes Gail. Yeah, that's what <laughs> stated. Except for Dewey likes Gail. It's true. Dewey and Gale. Someone has to. It was also fun to see that relationship because I think this is how Courtney Cox and David Arquette met. And then they wound up it getting is. married. And then they got mm-hmm. divorced. But we're focusing yeah. on the happy part. <laughs> and they recorded one of the Scream sequels like after they were divorced. But oh, their they? characters were written to be flirty. I think that's true. That's well, gotta be... Them. Like, it's gotta be hard, but yeah. they're both professional about it, so I hear from my many inside sources. <laughs> you did work as a PA on a movie. I did work as a PA on a movie. On, on a, a scary movie. movie. No yeah. It was a big deal. Everybody listening to this should look up Munger Road. M-U-N-G-E-R Road. <laughs> I think it's spelled out R-O-A-D. It is. I don't think it's... It is spelled out R-O-A-D. It's a, it was filmed here several years ago, and they were asking for locals if they wanted to help out. So I am in the credits as a production assistant, and there's a scene where brooms fall out of a, out of a closet, and that's me. I was in the closet, and I kicked down the brooms <laughs> because I was the only one small enough to fit on the shelf that I needed to be on. So that's, that's my fun story. That's incredible. Yeah, I kick off brooms in Munger Road. That's excellent. Look at look we look should, it up. Look it up, listeners. We should we should watch it for the podcast. We should we actually should. watch it for the podcast. It's actually it's it's actually a pretty good movie. I remember liking it. Yeah. That's that's amazing. So Kristen, having not seen 
all of it before. What was it like mm -hmm. seeing it for the first time? I really enjoyed this movie. I think, um, I don't know, there was a couple of years ago, there was a year where I saw like four scary movies and I had never been a scary movie person. And I think something about older me has just grown to appreciate it more. And, you know, I realized that I can turn my head away at the scary parts or cover my eyes if I want to. It doesn't matter. But the rest of the movie still has, you know, a lot of great things. And I think I expected that I would, I don't know, this movie would be fine. Not bad, but fine. But I really enjoyed it. So, big fan. I should have watched it with my friend when I was in high school. Aside from just the first ten minutes. Yeah. But what, Drew Barrymore um, was just so convincing that it it turned me away. I I can't blame you actually because that opening scene is actually very, it's like it's so famous now that it's easy to make fun of and watch with that distance sort of. But it's actually like a really good opening horror movie. It's scene. a good opening scene, although I kept like there were two different times that she walked by the popcorn when it was definitely done slash smoking. <laughs> and I wanted to be like, Drew, Drew, please. Like, I know you're in distress right now, but just like move it to a different burner. Just move it. <laughs> Quick action. Or if the killer comes in, use that as a weapon, a hot thing to just whack him in the face with. Give him some third degree burns. Well, it'll melt the mask, but maybe the mask will melt to his face. This is why I'm the final girl. Creative solutions. Yeah, gotta gotta use everything at Such your disposal. Such as moving the popcorn. Yeah. So I really, really creative there. <laughs> moving the popcorn from the fire. <laughs> the creativity is death by popcorn. Where have you seen that before? Also, it made me really nostalgic for those mm. those oven popcorn things. We used to get them, and I was younger, really cute. and I want them now. David, as a person who also had not seen it before, how did you feel about it? I enjoyed it too. I wasn't really aware of like how meta it is. Oh, it's great. Which like, mm -hmm. yeah, it, it's it's a horror film where the people in the horror film actually love horror films, which I think was new at the time. Like, that was like a an innovation that mm -hmm. Scream brought to the table, just like. Rather than everybody being completely oblivious to, like, horror films and horror tropes, like, it really just leaned into it and was like, no, this is how these things work. There's formulas and, it you know, takes this all is the how tropes it all plays out. Yeah. And it's self-aware about them. Like, Nev Campbell even says, you know, it always has some girl who's running up the stairs instead of going out the front door. And then she can't go out the front door. And so she has to run upstairs. And it's mm -hmm. just all these little tiny things that I thought were fun because it was it it wasn't quite poking fun at itself. It's just having yeah. fun with horror as a concept and they're like, Yeah, that's what's fun about this genre and that's what's fun about this movie. We put them all in here. Like I really struggle with what to call Scream because like my initial instinct was parody, but it's not really a parody. Because it takes itself seriously, but it somehow manages to be like a commentary or even a love letter to horror movies while also being a good horror movie in its own right. Yeah, it's really and, like, like it's really like postmodern, I guess. Like that's the I don't really know how to define that, but whenever I read 
like fiction or whatever that's called postmodernism. Like it's that sort of like there's a lot of self-referential we're in a story that knows it's a story or like you know i used to teach a story by robert coover called the babysitter which does a similar things there's like all sorts of twists and turns that are different points of views and imaginings and reimaginings like surrounding what sort of things including like horror movie things that would happen to this babysitter over the course of a night and the story plays on like media and movies and fantasy and all these different depictions of how like fate could befall her or whatever but it's also funny and kind of ridiculous like scream can be funny and you know by the end of it like everything and nothing has happened to her so there's all this like layering in there and they get that kind of layering in scream too like from the very beginning the killer wants to talk about like favorite scary movies and there's like a list of rules for horror movies while being a horror movie itself. Like that kind of stuff is all things that postmodern stuff is really interested in and like engages with. So yeah, that was, that was an interesting, I didn't know that about scream going into it. And I was, I was pretty into it. I don't think I knew about it the first time I watched it either. I knew that it was like sort of, murder mystery-ish because I was told like you should identify the killer you should try to identify the killer and then I was mad that it was two people because that's cheating <laughs> no I thought it was fun cheating that it's two um but I really like that the movie has its own like I don't know it, it would be so easy I think for a movie like Scream that wants to be a horror movie that draws on horror movies as a trope to sort of fall flat, but it doesn't because we have, like, the backstory with Sydney's mom and the relationship with uh, Gail and, like, the aspect of, well, the killer that I pinpointed years the last year maybe isn't the real killer. And, like, you do kind of have a who is it who's dressing up in the Scream outfit. So it, it does kind of have, like, a murder mystery aspect going on, which I think is really interesting and there's a like moment where you where that kind of, where the movie kind of tries to trick you into thinking it's other people but it also tells you several times who it is like uh like uh Billy when he had the phone I guess he didn't make the calls from the cell phone but like he was on the premises with a phone he's guilty there we go of course not because that's the first that's the first suspicious thing we've seen but actually no that's it was Billy all along. Congrats. Like, the movie just throws it at you right away. And then later, when uh, Randy is talking in the movie store, he's like, tell me those aren't the eyes of a killer. And I'm with Randy on that one. Even before I wasn't sure if Billy was the killer, I was like, yeah, Billy fucking sucks. I'm like, preach, Randy. Something is off with Billy, and I do not like his face or the way that he speaks. He was correct, but um, also at the same time, in that movie store scene, I was like, wow, Billy looks really good here. Congratulations on your face. Ah, uh, he doesn't do it for me. <laughs> wow. He does his FP. He does his FP, but he does not hear. I do not like him in Scream, which is, like, good, because I don't know that I'm supposed to. But he does not, he does not attract me in any way, shape, or form. I'm going to have other people weigh in on this. I can't tell who's the outlier here, you or me. Twitter poll! Twitter tell us Twitter which poll. one of us is weirder. 
being into or not being into Billy. We'll run a poll who's in who's into Billy and who's not. Yes, we can make that happen. Excellent. Please. Yes, I really want to know the results. I do also like anyway, Oh, go ahead. You were talking. Oh, I just I was going to say the movie like tells you who it is, but then there's the scene also where like they they focus on the sheriff's shoes or something because they look like the shoes that were in the bottom of the bathroom stall. Yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't catch. They do a lot of cutesy little clues that could be like, is it this person? I... Even when they have told you that it's Billy. I had not caught I, on I don't to know. that. I think it's like really fun and really clever. I had not caught on to that one. IMDb had to tell me about that. And I thought, oh no, I need to, like, I remember the bathroom scene being like, I need to pay attention to these shoes. And then I forgot all about people's shoes. So (laughs) it didn't do anything for me. But there was definitely when they kept pinning it on her dad, I was like, no, you're trying too hard. There's no way this is all him. But uh, another thing about this movie appreciating scary movies is I like the little tiny references. Like when the teens are driving away from Stu's house, they're in a silver car and one of them says hi ho silver and that's a direct reference to it. And then, you know, when the principal sticks his head out of the office and he sees the janitor in like the stripes shirt and the hat. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he says like not you, Fred, and that's supposed to be Freddy Krueger. And right. then IMDB had to tell me this one. But in the very beginning when Drew Barrymore sees her parents Oh, no, not when she sees her parents. When her parents realize, like, something has happened and this isn't good, the husband tells the wife, go to the Mackenzie's. And I guess that's what Jamie Lee Curtis says in Halloween to the kids that she's babysitting. There you that's go. That's cool. That's a really yeah. good reference. So they also, in addition to, like, mentioning all these movies, they also have little tiny lines that are moments that you can appreciate if you are a fan of this genre. That if you're not, it doesn't take away from the story. It just goes over your head. Yeah. Yeah. I liked the... To go back to, like, the postmodernism thing just a little bit. I liked the kind of layering of things that would happen. Like, my favorite is when Randy is the only one left at the party. And he's watching Jamie Lee Curtis in something on the TV. And And he's on the couch yelling at her, like, behind you, Jamie, behind you, as the movie's killer sneaks up on her. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, it's all being filmed by Kenny, the camera crew guy from the news van. And he and Mm -hmm. Sydney are watching the feed from the video camera in the house of Randy watching the video. And then Kenny's like, behind you, kid, as the killer enters the frame and is going to stab him. So we get, like, kid watching horror movie with camera crew guy watching the kid watching the horror movie with actual horror about to happen to the kid watching the horror movie. Yeah. And then the kid reacting in the same way to the movie horror as the camera crew guy reacts to the actual horror, all of which is in a horror movie that we, the audience, are watching. Yeah. Another layer, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Another layer to that is that the actor's name is Jamie. And so he's saying like, turn around, Jamie. And you're sort of like, yeah, Jamie, turn around. Killer's right there. Yeah. Yeah. So he's referring to the actor, but you can also be referring to the actor in Scream. An additional layer. An additional layer. Yeah. I think this is a movie that I would describe as clever. Like, Mm -hmm. both with the, like, hey, that's a smart and cool kind of connotation. And, like, the, hey, that's kind of gimmicky connotation. And, like, I don't know. Don't get me wrong. Like, I love gimmicks. Like, when I was in fiction workshops and stuff in grad school, somebody every time would inevitably call one of my stories gimmicky 
just because I was like really into like playing around with structures and plot devices and stuff back then. So like, I don't know. I love I love gimmicks, but it's also like there's a little bit of a, a little bit of a gimmick to the movie, and you know it it really runs it really like straddles the line between that and like it is really smart and cool like it's doing something different with a horror movie and coming up with like a new take on the genre like i can definitely see mm-hmm. how this was something that i don't know really refreshed horror movies in the 90s like after a long string of kind of schlocky like nonsense like you've got pretty big name stars and like it's it is like Hallie said, kind of a love letter to horror movies. And really, you can tell that not only do the characters really enjoy horror movies, like the movie itself and the the writer and the director, like everybody is like really into horror. And I don't know, I don't know where I was going with that. But what's um? What are people's numbers, Kristen? Uh, Kristen, number probably like an eight. Or somewhere in the eight-ish range. I had a lot of fun. I really enjoyed this movie. Nice. Hallie. I think I think I'd also go that high because I don't want to say seven because that's not allowed. Yeah. And six feels too low. So like I would also give it an eight. Like I really enjoy it. I think it gets it gets too like gory for my taste occasionally, but that's also like a hallmark of that of the genre that this movie is. Yeah. So I'm, I I have a hard time counting that against it. Yeah. Yeah, I'll go with an eight. Yeah, I think my natural inclination for this one would be a seven as well, but since that is not allowed, I think it's I still think I, think I would fall BS more that on like the. Uh, if something is a true seven, you should be allowed <laughs> to say seven, and I will continue to do so when I feel that something is a seven, regardless of this dumb made-up rule. So if you think it's a seven, <laughs> say seven. Because again, eight is too high for a seven. Six is too low for a seven. If you think it's a seven, say seven. Or play by your dumb little rules and say 7.1. Those are my thoughts. I think anyway. I would lean actually more towards like a six or a six point five for this one. Like, wow. Yeah. Like I um. Wow. I'm glad I finally saw it. Is kind of my main takeaway from it. Like slasher is not my favorite genre of movie. I'm not. I'm not super into it. But I don't know that I would go as high as in eight. It was, I can't it believe was fun. that you just spent like 15 minutes being like, it's really neat <laughs> it's how they did this. Modern. And then I thought this and this it's was super like, cool. But also, <laughs> I love the no, gimmick. this is closer to like a six, <laughs> like actually. A 6. <laughs> <laughs> like you're rating this the same as you gave like yeah. Titanic, which you didn't like. And you <laughs> just ripped on Titanic. And all you've done you so did. far is be like, I thought this movie was great. And this thing was cool. And I liked how they did this. But it's a six point five. Yeah, I mean, wow. I would I would definitely watch this over Titanic. I would watch this again before I watch Titanic fine. again. I think. Fucking fine. It's not even a seven. <laughs> it's a six point five. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I mean, I was probably I'd probably give this uh, like an eight point two or an eight point three. 
Yeah, I'm 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 up in the high eights. I'm with you, Kristen. Okay. Yeah. I think part of it part of it feels I think this is a movie that I really would have loved if I'd seen it in high school. But there's part of it that um I think of it kind of like the Beatles effect, right? Like the Beatles were so mind-blowing and revolutionary when they were when they came out and like in the 60s when they were making music but you hear a Beatles song now and it's like since everybody has sort of emulated the Beatles hearing the actual Beatles is like well that was fine (laughs) you know just like because of because Scream is in the DNA of so much so many horror movies that have come since it um watching it now it I don't want to say like dated or exactly, but like the, it definitely feels like a movie from 96, like the nineties movie feel of it, like weighs really heavily on my watching it. I, if it's anything, I disagree because I mean like, yeah, I guess you can tell it's like a nineties movie, but also I think if you updated some of the dialogue, like at some point, what did she say? Rose McGowan says something and I'm like, wow, did people really say that back then? But Rose McGowan? I've always heard McGowan. I have never heard anyone say McGowan. I have never heard anyone say McGowan that, until you two said like, it. Like, like I'm McGowan to McDonald's. That's what that sounds like. <laughs> I'm going. <laughs> I'm going to send Rose McGowan an email, and no, I'm going to find an interview where she's like, "Hi, I am Rose. Insert last name here, and we will settle this." Does she have a Twitter? Let's just tag her on Twitter. <laughs> How do you say your name? But anyway, um. No, I still think it feels pretty relevant. And I think part of the reason that I expected not to like this too much is because a couple years ago, I finally saw Halloween after everyone, you know, saying how it's one of the greatest scary movies. And I did not like Halloween. I would probably give that like a five or something because the first at least third of the movie, if not half, moves at a glacial pace And we never really see him do anything. He just drives around in a car and follows her, but also not even at a close enough distance that you sense that there's actual danger present. But, like, scary. And it's, it's, that I I cannot stand. And then even the end, everything just takes so long. And I know that that was, (laughs) what, like, the late 70s and this is the mid-90s. So there's definitely, you know, a difference there. And this is my beef with all movies from the 70s and 80s. The first 40 minutes can always actually be condensed to about 23 minutes if they had tried and succeeded. But I think I was expecting this one to kind of move slowly. But no, I was invested and I was interested and I enjoyed the entire beginning to end. Yeah, I I don't want to... I don't want to say that like I didn't enjoy it. I I liked it. I liked it quite a bit. But I don't know. I think like I, I, maybe like a 7 is the correct number for it. If, you know, I'll I'll allow the breakage of this rule that I didn't instate and don't care about that much. <laughs> I have a lot of yeah, feelings it's about not really, this rule. It's not rating. it's not like a real rule. We don't actually have to stick to it. I'm just saying I heard about it on Twitter and was like, that's actually pretty clever because everybody just says seven for everything. I think it draws awareness to the fact that people need to not default to seven, but I do not think that seven should be excluded 
Because, again, sometimes something is a 7. This movie is not. This movie is an 8.3. Maybe an 8.4. Okay. I don't know. It keeps going up. The longer I talk about it, <laughs> I'll, <laughs> the longer... The longer David defends his six score, the higher we'll go. Simply out yeah. of spite. <laughs> <laughs> it's like bartering, <laughs> but we win. <laughs> yeah. All right. Should we talk about? Let's talk about some things. Let's I want to. I want to reiterate. I think I said this before when we were talking about. God, what were we talking about? Some other teen movie. But there's nobody worse on the planet than the boys in a teen movie. I know, right? I was thinking that. I was like, is this just how it turns out and I'm more aware of it because I'm an adult? Or did the adults who were working on this movie make that on purpose because they as adults also knew teenage boys are the worst and we need to make them the worst? Yeah. Like, I've, I've never been able to figure it out. But I hate... I was really glad that it was Billy and uh, Stu. Stu because yeah. I hate both of them. So much, regardless of whether they were the killers, I would have hated them both so much. Which is a shame because, like Matthew Lillard, I like him a lot. Matthew Lillard is like a treasure in this movie. Although, again, the entire time I was watching it, I was like, Shaggy would never. I know, right? I was just like, Shaggy is too pure for this. (laughs) But he's, but like, I don't know. Matthew Lillard does a good job as one of the most annoying people on the planet. Yeah in this movie like and like they're the worst like from the very beginning like when um like right after drew barrymore and her boyfriend are killed and they're like sitting by the fountain and they're talking about it and they're just like making all these awful jokes like live her alone i know <laughs> it's just like come on like they were just they were just murdered and it turns out that like Stu was one of the murderers but like Still. Still. And Kaylee is upsetting (laughs) Sandy because they're talking about this horrible murder, which is exactly how her mom died a year previously. And even though Rose McGowan and Billy don't like Rose McGowan says like stop to Stu, but she isn't like, hey, this is clearly upsetting Sydney. Nor does Billy, who again apparently also partook in her in Sydney's mom's murder, um, like I guess he doesn't engage with it but he also doesn't say hey stop you're being super rude this is upsetting my girlfriend and like sydney just leaves and that's it like all the boys start terrible and stay terrible except randy randy started super annoying and then by the end i was like randy you live too congrats (laughs) happy for you yeah i don't i guess Billy also gets like he's he's you can tell that he's supposed to be like the dreamy perfect boyfriend or whatever. I think I think Tatum has a line to that effect yes. at some point. But he also is the bare minimum boyfriend. Like he doesn't do anything. Billy like seemed... you said, he doesn't he doesn't really say like, "Hey, please stop talking about this in front of my traumatized girlfriend, please." And then he's like, "My mom left me." It's the same. That's how your right, was and then he also was yeah. He's like, you need to get, need over, to get this. over this. It's it. been a year. Like, wait, okay, is, what? Yeah, wait. Is is Billy supposed to be like the perfect boyfriend? He seemed like really awful. Tatum said that at some point. Well, yeah, he does to us, but like in universe, it feels like he's. 
I don't. I mean, we don't get a su- a sense of like what their social standing is at school or anything, but I just get the vibe that he's like a catch. He seems school. definitely like yeah. the... and like she's happy with him and she appreciates the romantic gesture. He's apparently okay that they haven't had sex. Hooray! Again, he's right. doing the bare minimum, but like for a teenage girl who's surrounded by terrible, terrible teenage boys, I can see why that would be the cream of the crop. Oh, I, I don't, don't know. know. He just seemed Tatum has the line, and it's it's. It made me believe that he was a prize. Yeah, I did not believe that. <laughs> I mean, it's not correct. Like, it's not factually correct. Yeah. I, I don't know. He, his whole thing seemed to be like, I wish we were having sex and get over your trauma from your mother's murder right around the anniversary of your mother's murder. And like, I don't know. Like, no, like he straight up sucks. But like, after I murdered that, your mother, that like later Sydney says, like when she's talking to Tatum in the grocery store, she's like, he's just been so patient, you know. Like I freeze up when he touches me, and he's been so patient throughout the whole thing. And like, of course, that's just what you should do as a decent human being in a loving relationship. But like, you can tell that she thinks of that as him being a good boyfriend who she maybe needs to start treating nicer, like from her perspective. Again, it's not right, but like, but like I can, see, I can see in, universe yeah, I can see in the universe. How he and I think be. he also is supposed to be like, even when Randy's like, you're going to tell me those aren't the eyes of a killer. Like Randy, like Sydney, Sydney's dating Billy. You can see how that's also sort of coming from a place of jealousy, but I think Billy is meant to be, like hot brooding kind of mysterious guy yeah and again like Hallie said we don't know their social standing at school but I think at least personality aside we're supposed to be like oh she nagged the hot one good for her like think of on Buffy how Buffy and Angel had a whole thing and Angel was the same like dark brooding quiet doesn't say a whole lot all these things I don't know if either of you guys watch Buffy. It is an archetype. But that was also a show from the 90s. I think around the same time. I think it came out in 97. And I think that was just the hot teen guy thing at the time. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. And also, I mean, like, when you look at Sydney, you're like, she is very pretty. So she would presumably be with somebody who equals her prettiness. Who equals her your prettiness yeah you're like she's clearly she's clearly also a catch at school so it stands to reason she would be with another catch and if she wasn't that would be more of a plot yeah she's definitely i think supposed to be a catch because billy's with her and then uh randy clearly is interested in sydney and then Stu also has the line like i always had a thing for you so i think she's supposed to be the girl all the guys want yeah and that's my deep analysis. <laughs> there there we go. We did it. We solved Scream. <laughs> Billy sucks. All the men suck. Yeah. I do really I do really think that like I think that I mean, I don't know how I would go about analyzing it per se, but I do like that there's a plot line where she doesn't want to have sex 
and then she does have sex and it's made into this like you can't have sex in horror movies because you'll die but actually no sydney lives like i don't know exactly how to dissect that or how to make some sort of a statement out of it but i like that that's a theme that they sort yeah, of took a it, trope in a sort of tropey thing that again appreciates yeah. horror movie tropes, but they still said, "Haha, not this one, not in my movie, not in my movie." Yeah, I think there's something tied into that at the very end where Sydney jumps out of the closet with the umbrella, wearing the the costume, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and like Sydney becomes the killer. In a sort of in a sort of way, like taking there's like a there's like a power dynamic thing that I think is tied into the sex. Like if you're a virgin, you'll live, but if you're not, then you'll die or whatever. I think there's there's something that I can't quite piece together, but like Sydney becoming the powerful one and becoming the killer as she takes out. I don't remember if it was Stuart Billy that she stabs with the umbrella. I think it was Billy. Billy. But like, you know, the whole like not in my movie taking power back kind of thing. And like, there's that. And then she like dumps the TV on Stu while there's an image of Jamie Lee Curtis like holding a knife on the TV. That's cool. That was great. He deserved it. Kills him with the the TV. Like she's, she becomes the, the powerful one. I don't know if I don't know exactly how that would be tied up with her sexuality, but I think it's like she starts breaking the rules of the horror movie, and part of that is um, is that she lives even though she had sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's something in there. I'm sure there's I'm sure there's been over the past twenty years or whatever. I'm sure there have been plenty of papers written about things like oh, this. Oh, I'm sure. Um, I'd be interested by really smart people but (laughs) that's my that's my like quick take analysis of it I I also really liked that the killer is surprisingly easy to handle like oh my god yes that's one of my favorite parts he's not like supernatural anyway you just sort of like kick him or trip him and he falls over yeah (laughs) and like one of my yeah. favorite things about Scream which is why I like bumped it up to 8 is because I enjoy so much all the scenes where like he is you know a threat because he usually kills the person he's fighting but like he's also easy to throw off if you just bend a certain way or duck so he trips over you my favorite is when Tatum slams the top half of the fridge the freezer I suppose yeah. you would call it when he, she slams the freezer door in his face yeah like he is he is really easy to bamboozle and to just like whack the shit out of like he like he gets clowned on every single time he tries to kill someone even if he does manage to kill the person it's just i don't know it's like a weird mix of some weird physical humor in with the scary scenes that i that i really enjoy i think it's very yeah good. it's almost like slapstick kind of like he's just so it's just yeah, like so the, goofy the costume is kind of dopey too, you know? Like, yeah. it doesn't quite cover the jeans, so it's just, like, jeans and a t-shirt underneath. But even with the comedy, it is still scary. Like, seeing the face just there all of a sudden is, of course, startling. Um, His voice is really scary over the phone. Like, yeah, 
I think that opening scene is actually very... I don't like the way his voice sounds over the phone. I, I don't like the conversation they have. I think it's probably scarier than when he's actually attacking anybody. Yeah. But, like, I mean, he's... I don't know. It's a scary villain that is also a silly villain, and those are my favorites. Yeah. It does have kind of, like, a... Like, almost a Scooby-Doo quality to it. Yes! Like, ah, it's so... Yes! Man in a... Man in a mask that's scary and, like, kind of threatening, but also just just goofy. Just just a goofy... Just, just trap him. A goofy person. Just do... Just just carry out a Fred Jones trap, Stu. Matthew Lillard, you should be a pro at this by now. <laughs> yeah. I, um... I was also... Like part of part of it being dated, but like in a in a charming way, when they're at the I think they're at the police station and Billy is getting interro- interrogated, and one of the cops is like, "What are you doing with a cellular telephone, kid?" Yes, yeah. all the uses of the way cellular they all say cellular. Yeah, and um, just like the '90s technology, like so much of the movie is based around the the phone and landlines and like mm-hmm. you know at one point sydney picks up the phone and there's like a busy signal because like the other phone is still engaged or whatever yeah. like just all of that all of the the 90s technology was really charming what really was, like what this com- computer yeah the computer at the very yeah, the beginning computer. oh my yeah. god when her phone was busy, she typed in call 911. Yeah. I don't know how that and works. I, I didn't. Yeah. That was interesting. I get, it's not it's not so hard to comprehend because, like, for instance, we're doing a chat room video call, yeah. the, the phone call, like, over the computer. So it's, like, definitely a thing that's possible. It was just so weird seeing her type the command in an 80s computer and felt so much more future tech that way that I was like, is this... Is this a thing? I mean, her her dad clearly has a lucrative job. Their house is lovely. Yeah. Yeah, the IMDb trivia tried to be like, they wanted it to be filmed in California instead of Vancouver because they wanted it to show that it could be any suburban town. And I'm like, oh, okay. no, with these, like, giant mansions? I don't... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's not just any I suburban town, but all right, you believe that lie you're telling yourself. And, like, the... The house with the party, I guess it was Stu's it house. Was. Like, there's a boat in the driveway. Right. Yeah. Like, this, like these people are, are doing well for themselves. This is not, this is a high-end. And, like, yeah, they yeah, live definitely. far away from other people, not because they live, like, in a farming community, but just because they're the kind of people who can have large houses with big lawns and have space between the other rich people around them. Yeah, like it's all for the aesthetic, not for the not for the purpose. Yeah. Interesting again, David, that you thought it was charmingly David, God. whereas or charmingly dated, whereas beforehand you were saying that its datedness is why you were giving it a poorer score. You are contradicting yourself. She's got. I a can point. find it charming and also like have that stick out for me. I don't know. I don't think that's a contradiction. I think it's a contradiction. <laughs> yeah. 8.6. That's why this movie got <laughs> an 8.6, David. <laughs> Part of 
part of its well, dated of, charm. Speaking of the 90s, I really liked... Um, there were a couple times where somebody mentioned, like, the occult. There were the reporters at the beginning that were talking about, like, the kids, they're, they're doing drugs. They bought in the classroom, and they're involved in the occult. And, like, that sort of, like, 90s satanic panic that yeah. got worked into the movie a couple times. Yeah, was that, like, like, a real thing in the 90s where people constantly panicking about yeah, Satan? Yeah, it was, yeah, like... There were, um, like, Dungeon and Dragons and mm-hmm. Magic Magic the Gathering, mm-hmm. uh, a thing I know a, a thing or two about. <laughs> um, <laughs> there, were, there were a lot of, like, games and um, in media, there was a lot of, like, occult stuff. This is something that I'm sure there's a Wikipedia page about the Satanic Panic. I listened to a podcast like... where the uh, one of the co-hosts is always talking about how she's writing a book on the Satanic Panic. So I'm sure that there's a wealth of information, but it just seems so silly. As a family that has oh, always yeah. enjoyed, like, the Satanic Panic things that probably have others <laughs> up in arms, I'm like, are you really saying that... Because Buffy the Vampire Slayer is on the air, kids are now joining cults. No. Yeah, it was like a thing that people were incredibly concerned about in the 90s. That's ridiculous. I wish I had been old enough to laugh at it then. But I was a wee sprout. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, this is around the time of like, I don't remember when Columbine was, but like, media was getting blamed a lot for violence or like like new new types of violence and video games scream are actually responsible. I, oh yeah, yeah. Ga- video games like the line in scream yeah. about how uh movies oh, yeah, aren't creating killers it's just making create or making killers more creative or something like that yeah yeah i had written i wrote that down somewhere what was the line don't blame the movies movies don't make psychos movies make psychos more creative yeah, I did think that was interesting because as a person who I promise you, I have no intention of killing anyone, but I do, you know, you wonder when... <laughs> but, <laughs> well, not right now. But, <laughs> However... no, I just mean, like, when you watch shows and movies that have people being murdered in weird ways, or when they talk about, like, serial killers who haven't been caught or something on a show, sometimes I wonder, like, is this making someone who is an aspiring serial killer... Like, is it giving them ideas? Are they are they doing these things? And that's not me blaming media or anything. Because people, or I think people need to calm down. But I have wondered that when you just watch a show or a movie and you're like, "Huh, is this gonna create copycats? Like, what's there going was, on?" Um, there's a whole section on the Scream Wikipedia of teenagers that killed other teenagers that were allegedly inspired by the movie Oof. that um hmm. like i either like one of them wore the the same costume or something or mm-hmm. like had drawings of the the ghost face costume mm-hmm. and had said that the they wanted to be like the killer which is again like the killer is just like such a dork like just the easiest thing to deal with but um yeah there was 
there is a, oh, a section on the the Wikipedia of copycats from the movie. But again, I'd like to point out that those people were probably already a little, you know, unhinged. You're not you're not right. a hinged person who sees this and is like, you know what? I'm gonna do this to fellow teens in my school. Yeah. Unless you already have like the a thing, few problems. The thing about like when the killers have been victorious and they're laying out what their plan was and they're like, here's what we're gonna do now, ahaha. They're also stabbing each other in the middle of yeah. the night and yelling at each other because they're doing it too hard. Yeah. And like And that's like a key component of their plan is they need to be stabbed so that they can pass themselves off as survivors. And it's like this is just like the movie does not want you to do this. This they're not being they're not being displayed in a positive light here. Yeah. <laughs> that scene is so weird and I and it like made me more uncomfortable rewatching it. Like, obviously, the first time I was watching it was like, ah, oh, they're stabbing each other. But I think I was also mad that I was wrong and I didn't know it was two people. So that sort of clouded the rest of the experience for me. Just your anger. But this time, just my righteous anger. But this time was like, oh, man, they're just, they're just like, this is just like, ah, oh, I hate them. I want them to stab each other too hard. They just both die then and there although it is really satisfying having uh sydney and courtney <laughs> courtney cox having having what's gail having gail just shoot them that was great several yeah. times that part is fun not in my yeah. movie and i and i would not not in my movie i would not wish to take away that scene from them but like yeah like that's like their big triumphant scene is is them Stabbing each other, and then Stu is like crying over the phone. Yeah. Like, did you really call the police? My mom and dad are gonna be so mad at me. Yeah. Yeah, that scene is really good. I like, I like how weird it is that they're that they're just like stabbing each other back and forth. Yeah, it's yeah, it's such, it's so weird, and it like works. Yeah. Obviously, no, no one should, no one should imitate scream. I don't know. The imitation thing is an interesting question, just because like, obviously, things of that nature don't cause everybody to do that kind of thing. I, I think humans just like things that are weird. And scary. And, uh, and humans are weird, and we like weird things. I don't know. We, we humans like weird things. There's just no getting around it. And like, I think media has a responsibility to condemn things that are bad, such as murder. But it's it, like, I don't know. It's a thin line. I think so much of it depends on context. I don't, I think anybody doing an imitation murder off of, I don't think Scream should be blamed for imitation murders. <laughs> it pretty clearly no. condemns such a thing. But I, but I know there are a lot of like parents who were like, oh, horror movie, it's going to warp my child's mind. Or like this video game has so much violence in it. It's, it's going to make little Timmy also get violent. And it's just like... I don't know, cognitive dissonance. It's something that, I don't know. <laughs> nicely what? summed. Yeah, nicely, nicely summed I up. did it. Classic Hallie. I'm very <laughs> eloquent. 
I am very eloquent, and I have never bungled a thought in my life. <laughs> Not once. Do you have any more comments or notes or things you wanted to discuss? One note that I had is that I was really upset that everyone was kind of obsessed with relitigating the case of Sydney's mom being murdered with her. Like, Gail... People are so rude to Sydney. Yeah, Gail's, like, writing a book on it, and they they talk about... They, they like, run through uh, Gail's theory versus, like, Sydney's beliefs about the murder, like, the day after Sydney punches her in the face. And then, like, Tatum talks to, like, after the principal stabbed and, like, they're hanging out on the porch or whatever, Tatum talks to her about it. And he's like, you know, there are rumors that your mom had affairs with other men and stuff. It's like, why is everybody going back over Sydney's mom being murdered? Like, she's, she's well, clearly well, still very traumatized by this. In like, that second scene, though, I got the impression that Sydney had started that conversation and was looking for Tatum to participate in the way Tatum was. I mean, she got mad, but... Yeah. See, the, the, the mom backstory really interests me because it kind of ties into the sex thing. Yeah. Because obviously, if Sydney's mom was having several affairs, that doesn't mean she deserved to be killed. Right. And like, and like Billy, you know, blames Sydney's mom instead of his dad for having the affair... For his, for his, like, real mom walking out on him. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of very sexist language and sentiments there. Um, you know, I, I'm pretty sure they call her a bitch. They might call her... They, they, they might call her a whore at some point. It's not good language. It's not flattering language. No. It's, it's, no. it's sexist language, and it sucks. But I, but, like, I... And I don't know it's where it ties into... sexist and it's slut-shaming. Yeah. And I don't know where it ties into Sydney surviving even though she has sex, which again is a part of the movie that I like. So I just, I have a really hard time sometimes matching those two things up and working it out. But I, at the end of the day, I don't feel like Scream... I don't feel like Scream the movie wants to demonize Sydney's mom. No, I don't think so. And I, and like, I don't know, it's your mom who was murdered, so you obviously don't want to hear about how she probably had a lot of affairs. But you also don't want to hear that you put the wrong person away. Right. Based on your eyewitness. It's just like a really interesting plot to me. Like, I really, I, I like the plot of she misidentified a killer, probably, definitely, as we have learned mm -hmm. by the end of the movie. Um, who was Liv Schreiber, by the way. That was so weird. That was so weird. I forgot about that. My sister was like, is that him? And I'm like, I think so. And then I looked it up and it was. Just what a random... I forgot about that. Person to be the killer. The framed well, killer. Accused killer. True. Framed. Yeah, I don't know. It's just like an interesting thing to think about. Yeah, I agree. I think I think it plays back into the the sort of power dynamics that I was struggling to describe earlier. Like there is a you know, especially with Billy being the killer and Billy being 
kind of obsessed with sex or like having sex with Sydney. I, I think that's again, I'm trying to tie all of this together with that scene where Sydney does put on the, the costume and becomes the the scary, like powerful figure, the one that's like in control of everything. I think it just shows that you still can be in control even if you don't fit the horror movie trope of being a virgin. It's not something that holds you back or makes you But like it... but like Sydney I don't know Sydney's mom it's not... was murdered for having a lot of sex. Right. But that also is a, an event that happened before the movie and it's not Maureen's story, it's Sydney's, so like I mean I don't think there's like one moral or lesson no that scream is having i just think that it has like things to say within this trope that it's like kind of dissecting a little bit and i just am interested in it yes i agree so that was one thing the other thing i was interested in is the um which does sort of have to do with the sort of the satanic panic like the whole generational thing where like the sheriff at the at the interrogation is like you know these kids today and the the principal says something he, he says something like your whole havoc inducing thieving whoring generation disgusts me yes after the kids that like wore the scream costumes and ran through the school which again yeah. like what are you doing <laughs> what are you doing you like, awful they, boys they deserve to be chewed out but the principal also, like, I, I think you're taking out some other frustrations on these kids right now. Yeah, but, like, there is a whole thing about, like, you know, kids these days, the this new generation is yeah, out of their guess, minds guess... and doing drugs and having sex and worshipping the devil and, like... Yeah, that sort of ties... That's just an evergreen sentiment. Like, every generation that comes around, people are like, I don't like what these kids are up to these days. What's this I guess that kind of ties into with, like, what I was trying to say earlier, but, like, cognitive cognitive dissonance and movies not necessarily making things okay, but how media has a responsibility to kind of toe a line. I don't know, because, like, I feel like this generation specifically, like, with video games and, like, this kind of media, like, slasher movies, it's not something that the previous generation had really a lot of. Um, obviously, generations differ, but, like, I, I feel like as a whole, like, millennials and on, I guess, I guess uh, Halloween came out in the 70s and all that, but, like, I don't know. When you're complaining about the new generation, it's all like, oh, they have all this technology and every and kids aren't innocent anymore and they're so violent nowadays and the media's to blame. And that's just not super true because humans have always been kind of garbage. <laughs> and, like, we've always When newspapers had... came out, they complained that people wouldn't be having, like, natural face-to-face conversations on their train commutes. Like, that same argument has just been repurposed for every new advancement in technology and everything that comes out. People just love to complain about other people not yeah, engaging and, with them. And it's like, maybe they just don't And I to. don't think this generation is producing any more, any more murderers than other generations either. I don't like, <laughs> I think we just know more about violent goings on because our news system 
is better, but, like, weird murders have happened in the past, too. You could look up a whole bunch of them. Um, and I just, like... Are you encouraging people to look I up am, weird yes, murders? because I don't, I don't know... I, I really thought that I could say my thought better than I did last time, and it's not going super well for me. So I no. may just quit while I'm behind. But, like, that's, I don't know, like, it was it was the violent and whoring generation part of that line that really got me, because every generation also thinks the one that comes after it learns things at too young an age and, like, isn't as innocent as the one before it, and, like, Maybe, but I don't know. I also just feel like you're always going to underestimate the generation that comes after you because they're whippersnappers. I had another thought. I don't know what it was. It was probably the good one. <laughs> mm, no. I think that's everything I have. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Hmm... I don't think so. We didn't talk about Dewey at all, which is a shame because I loved. I was just yeah. thinking yes, about Deputy Dewey. Dewey. He's he might be my favorite character. Yeah. Oh, it was just fun because again, I did not know the details of the movie, but I knew who the killers were. But I watched this with my sister, who did not know who the killers were or really know anything about Scream, and so she suspected Dewey from <laughs> because the get go. It's too nice. And then it was kind of fun to watch the movie knowing that it's not him, but with the perspective of could it be Dewey? And she suspected, my sister, that it was either Billy or Dewey, and at no point did she suspect Stu until closer to the very end. And it's just fun because Dewey, knowing that he's not the killer, just seems like a do-gooder type. Like, he's just trying his best. But when... Uh, the killer calls Sydney when she's staying at Tatum's house and they're knocking on Dewey's door to try to get him to come out. He doesn't come out mm -hmm. until after the phone call finishes. And I'm like, ooh, interesting. Did they intend to do this misdirection? Or was that truly just they didn't want him to talk to the killer. They wanted only Sydney to talk to him. I don't know. But I did like Dewey. He was fun. Yeah, Dewey just like, he's, he's, he's just that nice. Yeah. And he's just that, he's just that earnest, nice. you know, and like, I don't know, I kind of like him and Gail. I think they're cute. They're cute. I thought his little flirty line was fun because, you know, Gail had said that she was very popular with the 18 to 24 audience and how he's 25 and she just missed him. But then as he's walking away, he does the whole like, I was 24 for yeah. a whole year. Like, I don't know. It just seemed like a very cheesy but yeah, charming kind of endearing comment to be like yes you are a very pretty lady he's I not exactly interested. and then i felt bad because gail seemed like she was just using him and i'm like oh dewey you sweet summer child you deserve someone That's who true. is not using you but i do think that I she also liked do. him yeah but he was also convenient for her i it's a little it's a mix which is kind of why i like it too like i feel like she's the kind who would start taking advantage and then be like oh, he's just so nice He's warming my frozen little heart. These darn feelings. I hate them. Love a good, love a good feelings route. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's just, just a sweet man. 
He's, he's just a sweet, sweet man and that he's nobody like, takes nobody seriously. Yeah. You know. Oh. Like his sister openly mocks him at the police department. What did mom say? When I wear this badge, you have to treat me like a man of the law. <laughs> like that's just such a good and like a lot of the movie's humor also comes from Dewey. Because he's just trying his best, but he's yeah. And then he gets stabbed, but he doesn't die. And it's yeah. But it's, it's Thank okay. God. God. Because he was like, I think he was originally supposed to die, and then when we see Gale fall on top of him, we notice that Dewey's not breathing. But then they put him away in the ambulance, and according to IMDb, this is so that they could decide whether or not they wanted to keep him alive. <laughs> like in a sequel, they always could have been like, ah, and then Dewey died at the hospital for a total of X number of murders, but. They that's actually kept him alive. Yeah. So good that's for Dewey. Really clever, actually. Like, I'm not sure if we want him to die. <laughs> but we're not sure if we want him to live. So, so he's, 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 he's just he's going in the ambulance. We'll see <laughs> what happens on that ride. A little bit. Yeah. Because just... he's in the sequels. And I think the sequels, unfortunately, do the thing where they don't know how to write Gail Weathers and Deputy Dewey if they're not towing over the line flirtatiously. So, like, every subsequent I am excited. has them having oh, gotten together in the past and recently broken up. But, oh, what if what if this event brings them back together again? Which is super Ooh. annoying. I wish they would just have them be together. Yeah. Be together. Or not together. Pick one. But together but Yeah, this better. movie, I really enjoyed it because it made me want to check out the sequel from the library. Like, I will probably do that, even though I have a bunch of other things I have to watch. This movie was a lot of fun. I'm going to look into Scream 2 and then Scream 3. And there's another one coming out mm-hmm. in 2022. And I will probably I'm watch that, that as well. I have seen, I think I have seen two. Not three. No, I've definitely seen two and I definitely have not seen three. Figured that one out quick. Nothing slips past you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think thus concludes my... Ending on, on Deputy Dewey. Really enjoyed it. That's why it gets an 8.7. 8. Final score. Excellent. All right. So, for next time, instead of doing a summary that I wrote, I um, I went and I dug up some trading cards that I've had since I was probably seven or eight years old. And I wanted to read you from the trading cards in preparation for the next movie. These are oh, yeah. These are copyright 1992, so they are almost as old as Hallie and older by than Kristen by a few years. So Whoa. yeah, here's the first one. As ancient England slept soundly under the protection of the Knights of the Round Table, so does the Earth rest safely today under the watchful eye of its mightiest champions. Through many years and many changes, Captain America. Thor, Vision, Hercules, Circe, Crystal, and the Black Knight remain committed to defending life and liberty against the forces of evil both on this world and others, as evidenced by their participation in the recent interstellar conflict known as Operation Galactic Storm. (laughs) And in case one trading card wasn't enough, I have another one that features a splinter faction of this group. So... Created to carry the tradition of the original to the Pacific Coast, this team of heroes, Iron Man, U.S. Agent, Hawkeye, Spider-Woman, Wonder Man, Scarlet Witch, and Living Lightning, 
continues to fight to protect Earth from all manner of evil. In the process, the West Coast team has added its own legends to the fabric of history. Most recently, as players in the cataclysmic conflict between the alien Shi'ar and Kree empires known as Operation Galactic Storm. <laughs> That's right. For next time, we're watching The Avengers. I really hope Operation Galactic Storm is covered in the film because I've wanted to know what that is since the early 90s. <laughs> and I will be super disappointed if I don't get to find out. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Who is Wonder Man? I've never Wonder even Man? heard of I'm this person. I'm excited that uh, Wonder Cersei Man is apparently included in this group. Cersei? Yeah. I, I read that book. It was Cersei. great. Down for Cersei to Love make the an Black Knight's here, too. The Black Knight, Living Lightning. My God. Yeah. U.S. US Agent, Agent, though. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, the Avengers. Yeah, of, of note, this is going to be my first MCU movie. I think I've mentioned before that I was at a party once where Thor was on in the background. But I was too busy playing magic cards to really pay attention to it. So I don't think that counts. <laughs> so this is my actual first sit down and watch it beginning to end Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. Kristen had been saying that this would be a good first Marvel movie to watch. So here we are. We're just diving right in. Diving right in. Although you guys did not tell me that this is the movie we agreed upon. I even asked at the beginning, I said, did we de decide on a movie? Because if we didn't, this other movie makes a reference. I thought you were movie. saying. And uh, I thought I was, you were I was referencing. No, I just. The fact that we hadn't chosen that I was one. like, no, I was referencing the fact that I did not know which one oh. was decided. And you guys both went. Oh, I see that Kristen posed a question, <laughs> I, and neither one of I us are going to answer it. it. We'll just let her be surprised by the end. I was but also I hate you, so it's probably not surprising. So I, I think, just ignored that cry for help. So I think I get an automatic one point for the next episode because I was left in the dark, and that was very callous and cruel. I'll give you um, half a point. I don't think that's worth a point, no. But I um, think it is Avengers. Yeah, Avengers. Avengers. Steve Rogers Which would have never treated me like this, and you will learn we that. We all. I don't know. David hasn't seen this movie. Maybe he thinks Steve is a horrible no, person. No, I mean like Avengers, the movie we all knew was going to be our next one. Yeah. Oh, I was making a good Not joke. Me. It was a good joke. I didn't get so. the joke, just like I didn't get the uh, memo about yeah, what the next okay. movie yeah. would be. So, In the dark, once again, two <laughs> points for Kristen. Next episode. Keep this up, it's going to three. It'll be 8.7 <laughs> before you know it. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm excited for this one. It's, uh, it's going to be a big one. Because so much of my personal identity has been forged around the fact that I haven't seen any of these Marvel movies. And now... Who are you going to be after this I movie? I know. There's a lot of... U.S. agent? <laughs> Is that your new identity? Scarlet Witch. <laughs> um, yeah, there's... Uh... So yeah, there's going to be... There's going to be some feelings, probably. Because I'm, uh, I'm... I'm suddenly going to be someone who's watched Marvel movies. 
You're going to have to recalibrate your yeah. entire existence. And, uh... And we, too, shall be changed. Yes. So, that'll be for next time. And, uh... Until then, so long, Howie. Farewell, David. Goodbye, Kristen. Arrivederci, David. And good night, listeners. I really hope Arrivederci means goodbye. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it does. And then immediately after I said it, I thought, oh no, I'm not actually positive about that. I think it does. It does now. <laughs>